This is Comet Picks by the Glick. And I'm your host, Jason Glick. How are you doing, Jason Glick? I'm doing just fine, John. And yourself? Yeah, not bad. What's going on? Well, it's like it's as I mentioned in at the closing of last week's podcast. You know, like this is that was the day that you that um, the Disney Disney buying Lucasfilm um, news dropped. And also at the same at that same time, I got three new Star Wars trade paperbacks from Dark Horse in the mail. So you know, I just consider it a sign. You know, not from God or anything, but certainly from the Force. If anything else, <laughs> there you go. So uh, what? else is going on out there. Do you think that this whole thing will ruin the entire franchise or absolutely enhance it? I don't know. It's like, well, I mean, Disney, it's like, I mean, it's like Disney, like, understands that, you know, it seems to have a pretty good handle on the quality, on the quality control of their, their various, um, various, um, fiefdoms. I mean, you can only, only, only look at Pixar, um, for, for proof of that, as well as the, uh, Marvel, their Marvel releases as well. I mean, you know, it's like, with it, the way they've done, like, yeah, they heard some of the stuff from Paramount, but um, with the Avengers, you know, it's like you can't you have to argue. You have to look at it. they did they did um really good job with that. So I'm not so really it's like I'm not um like really like concerned about the uh, the fate of Star Wars under Disney. I mean, to be honest, like, you know, like yeah, it's like Lucas has kind of shown that he's. That, that I know that that the, he's kind of like lo- like lost the feel for this for the series after with the prequel trilogy. So if Disney wants to go ahead and you know hand it off to other people, um, like including um, Michael Arndt, who has already been named as like is named as the writer for the next film, I believe, and he's also been um like um, plot, tasked with plotting out and um doing a treatment for the next for the basically the next trilogy. It's like I'm not. It's like I'm. I think that's generally good news right there. And plus, as far as the uh, like the list of directors I've heard, I mean, like, even though Spielberg has regrettably said that no, I'm not going to do that. Science fiction is George's bag, so that that was disappointing. But all other names I've heard tossed around, like names like Brad Bird, J.J. Um, Abrams, Guillermo del, del Toro. Hmm. I mean, like I hear that. I hear that. And I think you know, it's like they're they're on the right track right there. Because I mean, like, I also think you can scratch out J.J. Abrams because you know he's got Star Wars. I mean, Star Trek, Star Trek to deal with. Yeah, Paramount's got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's like you know, another a Star Wars one directed by Brad Bird. Come on, man. I mean, I, I would, I would, actually, I would, I would pre-order my tickets just based on that alone. Because I mean, aside from his like legendary stint in animation, I mean, the man proved he can that he can direct like, a killer um, live-action feature with um, the latest Mission Impossible. So, so I mean, it's like if if they want to give it to him, then. <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. Hey, as long as the story isn't about this young Jedi who finds this large robot. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I think I'd still, I'd still go see it regardless. <laughs> um, no, I love The Iron Giant. I thought it was a great film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but with, with a, but it may just be, still be a couple a couple months, if not um, into early next year, before we find out you know, who's going to be directing it. And then we can just like keep keep speculating on it keep anticipating until until 2015 comes out and we get get the next film which i believe is also going to be when we get the next avengers movie as well so wow that's going to be a heck of a movie season i guess then. <sighs> oh yeah that's that's going to be something else but that's that's still 3 years off and you know we've got like tonight stuff to talk about cuz yep yeah got three different star wars trade paperbacks to talk about um nice to Volume 10 of Knights of the Old Republic, Volume 5 of Star Wars Dark Times, and the first volume of Agent of the Empire. Now, starting off with um, Knights of the Old Republic, which 
which um, got its own podcast about um, two years back when I picked up all nine volumes by John Jackson Miller about um, about Zane Carrick, a uh, a Jedi Padawan who wasn't really very good at being a, being a Jedi, but um, found himself at the center of a, center of a conspiracy to um, when his um, when his um, Jedi masters um, had a vision for that one of their students would um, basically grow up to be the uh, like. Like a destroyer, like 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 a great like a great Sith Lord who would destroy destroy the Republic. So they killed their their Padawans, everyone except for Zane, who came to the uh, who came to the ceremony late, and um, wound up seeing seeing them like seeing the end result of their actions and managed to escape, and eventually wound up just going on through a lot of a lot of crazy adventures throughout the like throughout the Republic as he tried tried to clear his name. Even though it's like um, John Jackson Miller isn't probably the best. Like the, probably the greatest plotter or, or like you know or or dialogist in like out there, he's still good at cra- crafting likable characters. And um, Zane was a great lovable loser. You know the kind of guy who like, he's not going to be a, the great badass who saves the day. He's just got terrible luck that he sometimes manages to turn turn to advantage. And he's also got a great partner in um in Amar and Hier- Hierogriff, his um his con art con artist who's, who who is always trying to bring it bring to justice. Back on back on the world where he was um, training as a Padawan, but eventually has to team up with in order to um, help clear his name. Like it was like I thought I thought it was a good fun, and those those nine volumes basically had a complete had a nice complete story. That's why I was so concerned when Dark Horse put out this new miniseries, and and cause like you know after you know, after that like, you know where do you go? I mean there's no there's really nothing to that needed um, additional explanation with. Um, like with the series, I mean, like Star Wars Legacy, that it, it basically explicitly ended. Um, volume nine, volume ten of that series ended, basically saying, "Yeah, we're just going to be with um, like the need for like that final volume." But this, but um, Knights of the Republic, just kind of like you know, like this volume ten, like seems really super. It's not they're doing this at all. It seems really superfluous, and unfortunately, it's like this volume never really um, like overcomes that feeling. It. it I mean, it's like it's not a bad read, but you know, it's like if you've if you're if you've already got all nine volumes, you really don't need to add this to your collection. I mean, it basically, it's it's subtitled War, and basically involves um like it focuses on Zane again as he um is is um drafted into the um Man- Mandalorian War um that was that was talked about in the pre um the prequel to uh, talked about I um, mean it's like in in the series it's like he um he winds up. And he, he winds up initially he finds up serving under this um, horrible um, Republic um, leader named Dallin Morris, who's just kind of like the the worst kind of leader you can imagine. Who's always like always about focus on like glory for himself, doesn't care about the, li- the lives of innocents, and um, he's just like all around dick. But um, he's also um, working with this um, Jedi named George Under Case, who um, subs- who basically who eventually reveals his true colors as an actual as a Jedi Knight working for the Mandalorians. Because he realizes that you know this, like in this, like the fact that the Jedi are getting involved in this war is an unfair advantage to the Republic. Like, like the Force demands balance, and so now he's gone over to serve for the, uh, sir. He and some other um, of of his knights have gone over to serve for the serve with the Mandalorians. Thing is, though, he's also got his own agenda to pursue, and um, Zane winds up being embroiled in that as well. But and you know, it was like um, Zane. It's like, and as far as writing um, the character, um, Zane, um, Jackson Miller hasn't lost a step. 
Um, Zane is still kind of like the same lovable loser that he that he was in in the main series, and um, and, and he's also but he's also become you know more comfortable with himself. He realizes that you know I've got absolutely terrible luck, but he also realizes that you know like because I know I have terrible luck, I can actually plan for it, which leads to a crazy stunts like the Jedi brain fever um, bit that he pulls in order to fool the Mandalorians later on. It's a nice nice little bit right there, and the ser- and um. Overall, it's not like that's not bad. It's not going to taint your memories of Knights of the Republic if you've got good memories at all. But you know, it's like it still feels like thoroughly like essential. I mean, like like Dark Horse just like threw this out there. It's like you know, hey, are there still fans of 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 Kotor that we can like make some money off of? I mean, obviously the answer is yes. But uh, but for everyone else who has who hasn't bought it, you know, it's like you don't need to. But you know, it's not gonna. But it's not. But it's not gonna like you know. Like I'm really. I'm harm you one way or the other. Now, speaking of series that do that did demand continuation, um, Dark Times uh, also got. Which I also um, did a podcast of last um, last year. I, I do love the Star Wars podcast. It's just like a, it's kind of sickening, really. Still, um, like this. This is the series about the uh, about about the State of the Republic right after the. Uh, like it's 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 become an empire. Like um, Darth Vader's like still like just still making a name for himself out there. The Emperor's like still still like um, like affirming his grasp his control over the like like over the old Republic. And uh, the jet and there's still some Jedi out there who's still trying like you know scramble away from like 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 from the um, from the Empire's um, wrath. One of those is um is um Das Janir. And we saw we last saw him in the in Blue Harvest, where he was trying, who was um, playing two two sides of the gang war, two 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 gangs against each other, in order to save this one this one poor poor town on a distant planet. Now that volume ended on a on a thoroughly unfinished note, as if they just as writer Mick Harrison just ran out of pages and just said, "Okay, that's it. I'm calling it a day." And uh, um, but so it's good that we've got this next volume to um like like they can. To, like continue continue things on. Um, what changes though is that um, this is actually written by by um, Dark Horse um, co-founder and uh, uh, what's his and what's his official title? Uh, oh, um, Vice President of Publishing Randy Stradley. Um, now Stradley is he's not a, he's not he's not familiar to, uh, to working in like working in. Co- Comics writing. He he actually he's a guy who did the um, original Aliens versus Predator series um, way back in the day, and he also co-wrote um, like the Crimson Empire series with Dark Horse's other um, founder Mike Richardson, who's also its president. Um, to his credit, he wasn't um, as involved with the, with the recent dire um, third installment of of Crimson Empire, and um, if nothing else, while his work here is competent enough, it's at least competent enough to show that he. That um, if he had been um, handling Crimson Empire three, it may have been t- turned out to be just a little, little less dire. So the series um does it does pick directly up from from the previous volume, but it does but it does at least let you know, give you enough let you, let you know and like give you enough enough idea what happened afterwards to like to fill in the blanks. Um, let's see a dat um dat is currently is still on the run for the Empire and just you know anyone else who might who might be after the price. Price on his head. He's also um, hooked up with the um, with um, em- Ember, the the madam of the of the port, who was um, also like you know 
um, manipulating the conflict for her, for her own benefit. And he's also working to fix H2, the um, thoroughly nasty droid who just, who used to work for his who used to work for the former for the um for the alien who who they were going after in the first it's like in, in the first volume for killing one of the for um, kidnapping one of his friend Bumble Greenbark's um daughter. Now um Greenbark and the rest of the crew on Umeli are are still out there and they've actually like decided to you know, go and track down Das because you know they realize that he's, he's still even after like how things ended in volume one he's still one of the like he's still still part of the crew, and um, we need. And it's like you know, having a Jedi on our side like, will actually might actually be like helpful. Problem is that um, after Das went, runs into some imperial, to some imperial conflict, to an imperial escort on this one desert, um, above this guy's on this one desert planet, they wind up crash. He winds up crash landing there, and there, and so he, Ember, and H two, who is now um, super super happy and friendly, thanks to um. Um, thanks to um, Das's um, like um, unwitting re- um, reprogramming of him, it's like they're it's like they're out there trying trying to survive in this desert planet. But well, they've got the crew from the Umele trying to um, rescue them. They've also got an assassin um, out to um, who's um, out to track who's also out for the bounty on Das's head, and Darth Vader himself, who's just you know out there to kill all all surviving Jedi and. Um, and Das's name is just, just come up on his list after, like after after all this time. Now, series is series is a de- it's like it's a decent slice slice of adventure. It's like there's some there's some nice um, back and forth between Das and Ember on the it's like it's like on the uh, on the planet. It's like there's some uh, good action between the, the crew and Millie's solo exploits. Though I will admit the most interesting thread about this this picture of volume is just the fact that it kind of shows that you know that Das. He was he was officially regarded as kind of like an average Jedi by his masters. Just you know the fact that he was he didn't have like a particularly strong connection to the Force, but you know he's a good enough hard worker. He's a, he's a good enough hard worker, but you know he's just going to be like you know an average person, an you know, average, average Jedi, you know. And you know back in the day when you know the Jedi Order was flourishing under the uh, the Republic, you know it, it he's the fact that he is that he is alive and breathing kind of mean puts him like you know head and shoulders above all the other Jedi you know out out there right now. So like even though he's got this like strong this weak connection to the Force, he's still I'm um, trying his best. He still doesn't let that get in the way of him trying trying to do what's right or uphold the values of the Force or just general the general heroism in general heroism in general. But still like the um. The main appeal for like for dark times has always been the the art of Doug Wheatley, who's got some great, who's always done some great detailed, um, like art um work that that just like really captures the feel of the, of the, of the film series. Now, and that's also led to some some really um wicked um deadline um like deadline crashing that um almost rivals like say the likes of Brian Hitch. Um, when it comes to his comes to his Marvel work, but um, here he's a even though this series was apparently like also ran into some of those same deadline issues, um, he's adapting a, like a like a a simpler um, style that it's not quite as detailed, but it's still but it's still quite appealing, and it still captures the feel of the series, the feel of, the feel of Star Wars um, um quite quite well. It's like so I mean it's like. It's, so as far as like art goes, it's like I said, it's it's on the low end, but still, but still like even though when he's just like you know scaling things back, um, Wheatley's work here is, it, it's it's still quite nice. 
So basically, if you've been following the series, then yeah, it's like go ahead and pick go ahead and pick it up. I mean, I can't say it's like it. It's like it makes me. Yeah, uh, you know, it makes me. Uh, you know, like want to go ahead and recommend this to every everyone. But you know, it's like it's. But it's considering that this is it lost that has lost its main writer. Um, it actually like, holds up holds up pretty well. So if you were concerned about that too, then then don't be. Um, Stray Lee does, does a decent job, and it, it does end you know with the feeling that you know there's going to be um like more to it, and actually there is because Dark Horse is um the latest solicitations indicate that there will be a new um volume this time from artist um Gabriel Hernandez Walta, um and as well as Stray Lee. So you know I'm looking forward to that when it's collected um at some probably around this time next year. We'll see. Anyway, gonna wrap things up with the uh, the volume that the um the volume that I was most looking forward to, and that was um Agent of the Empire. This is mainly because it was written by um John Ostrander, who's written some of my some of my favorite um Star Star Wars comics. You know, ever since I started reading them again, his work with um Quinlan Vos in the Clone Wars has been nothing short of fantastic, and um he and he also did a great job in, with um tracking the future saga of of Legacy. Um, real quick though, um, with le- with the uh, no, I shall go into that later on. But um, so um, when he when it was announced that he was that he was going to be doing basically a series that uh, to introduce to the James Bond of the Empire. It's like I thought this was okay. This is something I'm going to look for. This is what I want to read. Then the, the reviews for the first for the first issue came in, and they were like rapturous from just like, like all. Like all, most of the, like a critical the um, comic book review out, outlets I read, so I'm looking. So I'm really looking forward to this. Reading it, you know, it's like I don't think it was like really like you know like thoroughly awesome, like great, like one of the best Star Wars books I've read ever. But you know, it was still fun because I mean, like you know, James, like James Bond of the Empire. It's like that's still like a concept that has that has legs to it, and John, an Ostrander does does a good decent job of getting most of out of what he can here. Now, the Bond in question is named um, Jahan Cross. He's basically works working for Imperial Intelligence, and um, as they said on the cover of the issues, were the um, stormtroopers of the Empire's hammer. Um, he is, um, Cross is their scalpel. So when the so when the Empire um, needs 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 a job that, that requires like some, like finesse and uh, and a delicate hand, he's the person you call. And in this case, this this, this finesse basically um, has him following up on some leads um, from a from a former. From an from an imperial from an imperial commander who was selling um droid secrets to the uh, see like to uh, to a droid manufacturing outfit headed by um yeah headed by Rossum Droid, droid Works selling droid secrets to Rossum Droid Works which is headed by Iaco by um Iaco Stark those of you who have read um, Ostrander's the Stark Highface War well this this volume does draw on a lot of that here but you know it's like if you it's all, it's all done as background material. All we need to know about it is here. If you've read the Stark Hyperspace War, that's just a bonus. It's like it's not necessary to enjoy what's see what's what's done here. But um, as you find out that um, Stark died a couple of years ago in an accident, and now things are being run by like run by his son Yaklin. So now um, Cross has to go over to go over to the Droid Works home planet and um, sort sort things out to find out just what what were these um, like black market droid. Droid thing, droid parts doing here. What, what he eventually finds is, basically, is nothing short of a plot to usurp um, command of the Republic, usurp um, command of the Empire through his dro- through their droids, and um, 
And even though we all know the Empire is bad to the bone and deserves to be destroyed, it's like not only is this the worst threat, but um, Cross is also like um, positioned like as a kind of, as a decent man. He's upstand, upstanding, believe, like um, um, he's not he's not out to kill the people who he doesn't need to, and and he, and he also throws leaves in the in the concept of the Empire, the fact that you know like without. Like without them, like there's only chaos, and he also and he also completely believes the fact that the um the Jedi um was, um were, were behind the uh it's like it's like we're behind, we're, like, we're behind the uh, the chaos in uh, at the end of episode three. So there, so he's obviously got got some got some learning to do right there, but still um Ostrander does does good do a good job of, like you know getting like the base of adapting the basic bond bond tropes into it's like. In the, in the Star Wars universe, we get like a nice uh, gadget, like I'm seeing where he gets his where he gets his gadgets and his droid in Inga. Um, he, he's got his he's got his, like you know his like the girl he he meets her in romances, um in um in Ellie in Ellie Stark, and also for for good measure we also get um Han Solo and Chewbacca also have a nice supporting role here. So, so it's fun so it's fun seeing them and um, cause it turns out that um Solo knows Stark from. Um, Solo knows Cross from his from their Imperial days, but you know I'm saying it's but like but um Ostrander managed to work work them well well into the story together. Overall, it's like it was a it was a nice nice fun read. It's, it doesn't have a it doesn't like really get even though it's like there's there is some of the like, moral ambiguity that um Ostrander um always brings to to his work. It's not it's not quite as pronounced as it was in it's like in his Clone Wars work or Legacy, which I feel. Which is, a li- which is a little disappointing, but you know it's like I'm interested in seeing seeing where he goes since you know it's like obviously like Cross is going to find out that you know the Empire isn't you know all about all like all about or- order and then you know maybe like there's there's really bad stuff underneath. So it's like so it's a good it's a good start and if you like so if you like reading Star Wars comics, um, then I rec- I do, do recommend you check check this out. Anyway, but still, this also raises a question: Like, oh, how much longer are we going to have these kinds of Star Wars books? Because after the um, Disney Lucasfilm deal, this, um, the, uh, well, it's like it's like I can only feel that, like the dark that um, Star Wars Star Wars comics days at Dark Horse are effectively numbered. Because, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, like Disney owns um, Disney has their own comics publishing outfit in Marvel, and um, you know, after the uh, and there were that she did have some deals to publish um, some comics like Incredibles comics, um, and on um, Toy Story comics um, through Boom that were eventually canceled once um, Disney bought, it's like once Disney bought Marvel and they started publishing it through them. So I really don't see any reason that you know once that that you know once um, like the contracts expire or Disney is able to cancel them that these um that that Marvel won't start um publishing won't get a license to publish stores comics again you know, like they did way back in the day it's like when like back you know, back in the day, episode 4 back in 77 so but but i mean dark horse has done i think it's done right by the series over it's like over the year, it's like over the years, and to be honest, like you can see that you know, once Marvel gets the license, they're actually going to be doing. They're going to throw like they're going to throw like their best writer at it. You know, imagine like, you know Bendis and Believe probably get like get 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 start getting a crack at things with their their own mini series or the start of a new ongoing series. Um, but you know, one only needs to look at the um at at their um treatment of the, of Halo or uh. With the Dark Tower series, because like you know, all those those started off with a, with great fanfare. They've since you know kind of like 
um, got deteriorated into like you know backburner concerns. You know, I mean, even though like Marvel, like you know, will they say I have the license to publish um, dark, um Star Wars comics? It's like I still can't. I honestly can't can't believe that you know, that at some point we're just gonna like start getting business as usual, and then they're just gonna like, start churning them out just because you know we've got the license. So I'll just keep and people are keep people are still buying them. So why not just keep doing it? I mean, maybe the Marvel brand will um, attract a few more people than than Dark Horse was bringing to them, but still, you know, Dark Horse is like I honestly don't feel that there's really any need to um, to change things. But and to be honest, like it would be disappointing if that if they decided to you know take take Ostrander off writing Star Wars comics because he's like really far more easy one of the main reasons I've kept buying them all these years. And plus, they've also got a new um, ongoing series from Brian Wood, which I still find bizarre that someone like him um, would be we doing this. But you know, I'm gonna I'll be I'll be buying the trades when they come out because you know, hey, I'll buy anything that, that Wood's name is attached to. So you know, it's like I'm kind of so yeah, it's like I'm kind of. I kind of like it's kind of these kind of like represent the beginning of the end. I, I kind of feel these represent the beginning of the end for like Star Wars' tenure at Dark Horse, and you know it's like they, it's like they also show that yeah hey you know it's like it's not perfect but still you know it's like I don't know, like do I really am I left feeling that Marvel that Marvel's involvement could really make things a lot better? Nah, not really. But you know we'll we'll see how things go in a couple of years. John, any thoughts? Um. Can they sell them back? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I think that uh, only time will tell. However, um, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know it, all the work's already been done. Uh, I don't know. There's not much really left for them to do. I guess they will eventually take it over. So yeah. And will it be a good synergy? Yeah. Time will tell. I guess we'll see. Um, you can only hope, but like I said, I'm I'm sure if Marvel do, if, when Marvel does start publishing um, Star Wars comics again, there'll be a big fuss. Um, then and then eventually, like just, like start you know, just dripping um dripping back down to the level that um that they were when um, Dark Horse was publishing them. Yeah. So if they so they want so I mean, they'll, they'll get short term gains. That's that's no question. But in the long term, yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced. Yeah, all right. Like I said, you got it. All right, and with that, that'll end our podcast for the night. Um, John Murphy, and that's Jason Glick. We'll talk to you later. All right, later, everyone. All right, bye.